going to hand over to Lara, who's going to be continuing our Heroes of the Faith series. Good morning, everybody. How lovely to be here with you. Um, as I said, I'm Lara. Yeah, and just take this time just to open the Bible together and carry on looking um, at chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews from the New Testament. Um, Tom spoke to us last week um, on the message of eternal hope. And I would really recommend that talk if you didn't get a chance to hear it. It was really very good. Um, and as Tom told us last, last time, the author of Hebrews was writing at a time when Christians were you know, experiencing ever-increasing persecution. And many of the believers um, who were of Jewish descent were giving up on their Christian faith because it was just too hard and dangerous. And they were returning to their Jewish roots and the attraction of the freedom from persecution that Judaism offered them. And the author of Hebrews, he sets out showing these believers just how superior Jesus is. Um, he gives encouragements to them to stay true to their Christian faith, persevering to the end despite their circumstances because Jesus is worth it. You know, and this Hall of Faith chapter, as chapter 11 is referred to, starts off by defining and explaining faith in verses 1 to 3. And then from 4 all the way to 34, he lists examples of people who lived exemplary lives of faith, telling us what they did, what they endured, why they endured it, um, and uh, the rewards that they received. You know, some of these examples of faith, they endured tremendous hardship. They endured torture, ridicule, imprisonment, stoning, and most of them extreme poverty. But all of them believed that suffering for the sake of their faith was better than the riches of the, that the world could offer them. And, you know, the whole purpose that the author of Hebrews lists this great cloud of witnesses, as he refers to them, is to make it ultimately to point his readers and therefore us to Jesus, to help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so that, as he says, we will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, we live in a really selfish world. It's a world that's all about what can I get for myself? It's a world that, you know, it's all about how can we please ourselves? But in contrast, living in God's kingdom is all about leading lives that first and foremost please God and bring him honor and glory. And this morning, I want to look at what Hebrews 11 tells us about a faith that pleases God. And I'm going to use one of the lives of um, these faith heroes, a chap called Enoch, to illustrate this. So I'm just going to launch straight into Hebrews um, 11 and just read what it says about Enoch. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So Enoch is actually only mentioned a few times in the Bible, yet despite having very little said about him, he makes it into this Hall of Faith chapter. Now, I don't know about you, but I would really love to leave a testimony behind like that of Enoch's as someone who pleased God. To hear God say those words from Matthew to me, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm so pleased with you. But what does a life that pleases God look like? You know, and I think if we were honest, we all struggle a little bit with that question from time to time, not least because if we were truthful with ourselves, we would all admit that we're often people pleasers before we're God pleasers. But Hebrews 11 answers the question for us through this picture it paints of Enoch's life. Now, Enoch lived lived seven generations after Adam and Eve uh, in pre-flood times when the world was becoming increasingly more and more wicked, debauched, and evil. It was full of really superficial and shallow characters and a real kind of forgotten integrity, perhaps not dissimilar to the century in which we're living in. But Hebrews says that Enoch pleased God. And so we need to actually go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible into Genesis, to chapter 5 of Genesis, to expand just a little bit more on what it was about Enoch's faith that pleased God. So Genesis 5 says this. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because because God took him away. You know, that simple comment about him walking faithfully with God is so significant that it reverberates the whole way through Scripture. Enoch left such an impact that he's mentioned by three different writers in the New Testament here in Hebrews. We see him mentioned in Luke and then in Jude. Enoch was a man of faith. He believed in God. He believed God existed. He believed in the goodness of God and that God was a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And God was so pleased with Enoch and the way he lived his life. And rather than experiencing death, God simply took him off the face of the earth. Enoch had a powerful encounter with God when he was 65 years old. And from that day on, Enoch walked faithfully with God. So what can we learn from Enoch's faith? Well, the first point I want to make is this. We can walk with God just as Enoch did. Enoch lived his life in this intimate communion with God. He had conversations with God just as you would a friend or a companion. And when you walk with someone, it implies relationship. Enoch had a relationship with God. The same God who walked with Adam and Eve in the garden walked with Enoch, and he wants to walk with us too. 
You know, God wants to have a personal relationship with us. And this is made possible through his son, Jesus. You know, Jesus knows our names. He cares about our days and what's going on in our lives. And we can talk to him about anything we're going through. And Enoch's faith pleased God because it involved this fellowship and companionship. Enoch actively sought to walk faithfully with God every day. And if we want to walk with God, we too must actively spend time building a relationship with him. And it takes time. It takes time in prayer. It takes time in worship. It takes time spent in God's word. It takes time practicing solitude and listening for his voice. It takes time practicing the presence of God every day. Now, Enoch chose to walk with the one and only living God, turning his back on the other idols and, and temptations of his world. And by faith, Enoch uh, chose the ways of God in the midst of this really deprived generation. And we're surrounded by temptations every day, temptations that draw us away from spending time with Jesus. But Enoch's faith is a reminder to us that no matter how attractive and tempting the idols of today's world may seem, they are no comparison to a deep and meaningful relationship with God. Enoch's faith shows us that to walk with God means that we have to align our lives according to God's will and his plans. And we walk with him to the very end. To walk with God means that our lives are in step with God. They're yielded in obedience to him and headed in the direction that he chooses, not what we choose. And it's a daily process. Walking with God is a daily process of becoming more and more intimate with him. As you share everything in your life with him, and you learn more about him and more about his ways. And the prophet Micah says this to us. He says, he, as in God, has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he describes walking in a manner pleasing to God as follows. He says in Ephesians, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then later in Colossians, he says, Continue to live your life in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So, you know, it's worth stepping back sometimes and just asking ourselves, is there something in my life that's hindering my walk with God? And if so, then we need to confess it and bring it before the Lord. You know, it's worth asking yourself, how would others describe my walk with God? In fact, how would Jesus describe my walk? So just like Enoch, 
we can choose to walk faithfully and humbly with our God every day. So the second point I want to make this morning is this. We can please God just as Enoch did. You know, Enoch didn't remove himself completely from society and become a hermit in order to walk with God. He carried on having sons and daughters and living in his world. But he did set himself apart from his neighbors. He knew that he couldn't please God and please the world at the same time. So he chose to please God above all else. He lived his life in complete contrast to the ungodliness that was a part of his world at the time. He was willing to lay down his desires, his wants, and to put God first. Now, no doubt this would have come at some kind of cost to him. And I'm in no doubt that pleasing God above all else in our lives can come at a cost to us. Now, I remember when I was um, 16, I was at boarding school in, in Brighton, and my hockey coach came up to me and um, asked me to be the captain of the school hockey team, which was a really great honor. Um, however, about a week or so later, she um, introduced this Tuesday, an extra Tuesday lunchtime training session that was kind of compulsory for everyone. But that just so happened that it was the same time as our very, very small Christian union met. I think there were about seven of us. So I had a choice to make. Do I go to the extra training session or do I, <laughs> or do I continue to support this very small, fledging Christian union? Well, I chose Christian union. But when I told my to coach this, she said that because I wasn't going to make the extra session, she'd have to take the captaincy away from me. Obviously, at 16, I was boarding school, it was really very disappointing. But I stuck to my guns, and I um, chose to put God first. Now, I don't think there were any fireworks in heaven. Maybe there were, I don't know. But none of my Christian and my um, hockey pals became Christians because of my witness or anything like that. But a few months later, another a guy came to do this lunchtime talk at school. And he drew me aside and said, you know, he'd heard about the decision I'd made. And he gave me a real encouragement that, you know, as a young, young Christian, a real encouragement um, in putting God first. Now, when I put Jesus first with my choice, it was, you know, a really minor cost to me. It was nothing compared to the cost we heard about last week when Dave was talking about the persecuted church. And it was nothing compared to the hardships that our heroes of the faith in chapter 11 underwent. You know, I certainly wasn't ridiculed or tortured. But the point is that God was prioritized over above all else. I put God first above my wants and my desires. And having a faith like Enoch's believes that doing the will of God and pleasing him is the purpose of our lives. You know, Micah told us to walk humbly with God. And humility is very much a posture of the heart. We come before God with a contrite spirit, fully in surrender to him, seeking to honor God in all we do, and wanting to walk with him and worship him just to be in his presence, just because of who he is. Humility in our walk with the Lord means a willingness to be still, to listen for his voice, and then to be obedient to his commands. We come humbly before God in recognition of what his son, Jesus, has done for us. 
Jesus gave his all for us, his very life as a sacrifice for us. And in return, we should desire to offer him a lifetime of worship and adoration. You know, again, Paul tells us this in Romans. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul tells us we are to be living sacrifices. And what does this look like in our modern lives? Well, I think it's all about saying every day, God, I'm giving you my day. I'm giving you all my energy. I'm giving you myself. You know, in pleasing God this way, that we're also witnessing to the world around us. And it'll probably cost us something. It might cost us some reputation. It might cost us a bit of convenience. It might cost you that Saturday night while you're out doing a soup run. It might cost you that Sunday afternoon while you're getting to know your neighbors a bit better. And I wonder this morning, you know, is the Lord asking you to sacrifice something in particular for him right now? And are you a little bit hesitant to lay it on the altar and offer it up to God in faith? And I really want to encourage you today to just to choose to be obedient and have that faith that whatever the God, the Lord is asking of you right now, it has a purpose and he is so worth it. And this is my final point today. We are rewarded as Enoch, by God as Enoch was. We are rewarded by God as Enoch was. You know, Enoch's life shows us not only how we can walk with God and please God, but also that there is reward for those who live and seek God by faith. Hebrews 11.6 makes it really clear that a life that's pleasing to God is a life lived by faith, a faith that believes in the reality of God and diligently seeks after him. You know, faith that pleases God believes what the Bible says about him and what he says about us. And to seek God diligently or earnestly is to be intentional and focused on discovering more about him. Focusing our time, our attention, our thoughts, our hearts, and our emotions on him and persevering in that every day all the way to the end. And the reward for those who diligently seek God is the same as that given to Enoch. It's God himself. You know, this is what, um, exactly what God told Abraham in Genesis as well. He says this, Don't be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your very great reward. And our reward is that we get to walk with God. We don't have to fear death. We have the promise of eternal life. We get to grow in faith, in trust, in hope. When we have a faith like Enoch's, humbly and daily seeking after God, not only will we please God, but we'll enjoy the greatest reward of all, the pleasure of walking with God every day. Let's pray.
Lord, we just pray that you will open our eyes and our hearts, that we might learn what it means to walk with you in intimate fellowship. Help us to identify those areas in our lives that hinder our walk. We desire to be pleasing to you in all that we think, all that we say, and all that we do, Lord. And Father, we pray that our worship and our walk would be consistent with men and women who proclaim their love for you. Amen.